your Bibles tonight uh, to 1 Kings, and that's all I'm going to say. And I'm doing that for a reason, because I've got a long roundabout introduction to the, to the point that I want to make tonight, and I, I, I've just got a feeling that some of you is going to guess what chapter it'll be in before we get there. And so before I tell you what chapter, I'll check with you a little bit later, but be patient uh, and uh, give me some time to, to ramble around here just a little bit, and hopefully, hopefully our thoughts will all tie together. You know, it's a wonderful day in a person's life whenever they realize that they have a God-given purpose in life. Isn't it terrible to just exist and, and, and never really live? You know, you, you get up out of bed and you eat and you work and you play and you go back to bed and your whole life is just a cycle and, uh, and there just seems to be no rhyme or reason for it. And it's so wonderful uh, to know that God, I'm talking about the God of heaven, the God of the universe, the God who is running the whole show says, I have a place for you and a purpose for your life. So all of us, some never find it, but everybody has a place in life. And so that being the case, being in that place then that is doing what we should is the key to a life well lived. And uh, by the way, you're the only one uh, you're the only one that's supposed to be in that spot God has for you. Amen. There's nobody else that can take your place. You know, they have a place, but it isn't your place. It's not where you ought to be. And, uh, and, and knowing that somebody else will do what, what you should have done if you don't do it doesn't relieve you of your responsibility because each of us are accountable to God for what we do. So there's a place for all of us. And finding and fulfilling our place in life is the, is the key to success. That's what success is, discovering the will of God and doing it. Now, because that's true, we need to understand a certain principle that is that's obvious to us from the very beginning, and I'll get to that in just a little bit. God is a God of order. He's not the author of confusion. In other words, He has designed things to be structured in such a way that it works out best. And when things, and by things I generally mean people, when people get out of order, you've got problems. And... Uh, to, to make an application to that, we could go in a lot of different directions, uh, but uh, tonight we're going to look at one particular, one particular thing that actually takes us back to the very beginning, back to the book of Genesis in chapter 1 and verse 26, verse 27, 28. Now, I'll tell you what it says. You're familiar with it. It's uh, the creation story. And, uh, and, and this is the very beginning, back to Adam and Eve. And we read three things in those three verses. Number one, God created human beings. That's a fact. That's what the Bible says. Uh, God created human beings. Secondly, it tells us that God created us in His image. 
And we could talk about that for a, a long time tonight, but we won't. But, but that's a fact. That's all I want you to consider tonight. But the third thing is that he tells us, and that is that God created us male and female. Now, we don't hear a lot of argument regarding those first two things that I mentioned, that God created human beings, that God created us in, in His image. Uh, you, you don't hear anyone lecturing on that or debating that. I'm talking about among professing Christians anyway. But boy, the bone of contention has to do with this third thing, that God created us male and female. I don't know who coined the, the phrase, the battle of the sexes, but I, but I do know that they addressed a real-life issue. There's an obvious conflict that's been going on throughout the ages between the man and the woman. And even after all of this time, we seem to be no closer to a truce than we were before because Today, people, it seems like, are more confused than they've ever been. I, the word insanity comes to mind. We hear things like transgender, same-sex marriage, the girl Boy Scouts. Think about that a little while. The unisex, gender-neutral bathrooms, and it goes on and on and on. And look, at, it doesn't even make grammatical sense. If you take a dictionary and look at the words and what have you, it, it makes no sense whatsoever. My point is, we live in a day where there is a total disregard for what the Bible says. I said a while ago that God designed things to be structured in a way that works best. The problem is that too many people think they've got a better idea, and they don't. But, but, but that's the way they come across. Oh, oh, yeah, I know the Bible says that, but, uh, but, you know, that's not what I believe. Have you ever heard that before? Or, you know, I, I know that's what the Bible says, but, that, you know, that's what we, that's not what we believe down at our church. Well, your church needs to change what it believes. You know, you hear people say, well, yeah, what, you, you, think, you, you think you're always right about that? Well, of course I do. If I didn't, I'd change my mind. Wouldn't you? If you don't think you're right, then you ought to do some investigating and study and come to a conclusion on what's right or not. And, and the big, biggest issue is do we believe the Bible is the Word of God? And if we believe the Bible is the Word of God, that answers all of those other questions. So the fact is that God designed male and female to be different. Whether you like it or not, that's the way it is, that He made us different. And if you can't see the difference... You've got a real serious problem. You know, that doesn't mean that one is inferior or that one is superior to the other, by the way. It means they have different roles in life. And sadly, too many people want to be what they're not. They want to be what they're not. Now, stay with me because the message is not about what you're thinking. Some of you already, you know, jumping to conclusions saying, oh no, I, I'm getting in on one of these wives being submission to your husband kind of messages and I don't want to hear that. Well, uh, that's not what the message is about, although that is what the Bible teaches. I, I'm talking about men and women, fathers and mothers, husbands and wives, just for the sake of illustration here. And I said there's a place for everyone, and that place is different for everyone. 
That means everybody ought to be in their place. And if you aren't there in your place, then you are out of place. I, for example, whenever God called me to preach, I could say, okay, I've surrendered my life to preach. Uh, but, but I'm going to decide when and how and where. And uh, I, I, I sure don't want to be a pastor. They have too many problems. I want to be one of those freelance missionaries or an evangelist, you know, somebody that goes here and goes there and not accountable to anybody. That I, I don't mind doing that. So, so I, I, you know, I'll do what God wants me to do. I'll, I'll preach, but it's going to be my way. Or somebody might say, well, God called me to preach, and I know I'm supposed to be a pastor, but I'm going to determine where it's going to be. Look. I, if, if I wasn't here believing with all of my heart that this is the place where God put me, I would be totally out of the will of God if I said, man, I was born and raised in the Ozarks and I love it and I'm going back. We're going to pack our bags and go back. There's a church right there down on the lake that I know about and, uh, and I feel sure they'll call me to be their pastor and that's where I'm going. Now, I could be preaching. I could be the pastor of a church, but I'd surely be out of the will of God. Do you believe that? Absolutely, God is a God of order, and He has a place for each and every one of us. We, we talk about men and talk about women this last week. As I was, uh, I mentioned this this morning, that I, I really thought about preaching a message from Titus there in chapter number 2, and a part of that section there makes this statement. It speaks about the, the older women being keepers at home. If you, if you want to deal with an unpopular issue, try that on for size. That's not very popular today, but that's exactly what the Bible says. They're to be, that's their main responsibility. doesn't mean they don't do anything else, but they're to be keepers at home. My mother was far from perfect, and, uh, but there's one thing that I could always count on, and that's the fact that I knew that mother would be there. I knew that. I, I, you know, whenever I got home, Mother was going to be there for me when I needed her. It's been the same with my, my wife and, uh, and for our kids. That's the way it's always been. Uh, Bev didn't work outside the home except for one brief period of time after our kids had been raised, but she's always been there in every sense of the word for them. And, you know, that being a mother, being a wife, that's a responsibility that God has put on her shoulders, you see. Now, what I want you to see is that there is a place for everyone. Now, how many of you have opened your Bibles to 1 Kings chapter 17? Anybody? Look at that. Now, some of you already figured it out, didn't you? That one word there, there. And I know some of you are familiar with this story. I preached a message on it oh, a year or so ago, and some of you might remember that. Uh, uh, and some of you, no doubt, have studied this and read the story. But that one, one word there is, uh, speaks volumes. This might be the best example that I can think of, Elijah at the brook Cherith. And so I want us to read these first six verses that tells the story. And Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahah, As the Lord God of Israel liveth, before whom I stand, 
There shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Get thee hence, and turn thee eastward, and hide thyself by the brook Cherith that is before Jordan. And it shall be uh, that thou shalt drink of the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. I've underlined that in my Bible. In fact, I've colored it in red, that one word there. So he went and did according unto the word of the Lord, for he went and dwelt by the brook Cherith that is before Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and flesh in the morning and bread and flesh in the evening, and he drank of the brook. What a what an amazing story. And I want you to... I want to give you just a little bit of background here because when we think about the story of Elijah, it, it sort of reminds me of Moses and the fact that God can take a nobody and make him a somebody and show the rest of the world that God can make a somebody out of a nobody or God can use anybody. God has a place for everybody. And the key to us being where God wants us to be is being there. Being there. That's the place of God's will. Now, you know, as I tried to illustrate a few minutes ago, Elijah could have said, you know, I, I, I was planning on heading off in a different direction. Or he might have thought about a, a different brook or a different place and, and wanted to argue with God. But there would have been no promise whatsoever that his needs would be supplied anywhere else other than there. Keep in mind that there is different for different people. We're not all of the same. You look through the Bible and you think about Noah. There for Noah at, at that particular time was the ark. There for Joseph was where? In Egypt. It's not where he wanted to be. It's not where he thought about being. He didn't make plans to get there, but that was God's plan for him to be there. And with Moses, it was out in the wilderness. That's not where he wanted to be. He wanted to be in the promised land, flowing with milk and honey. But there for him was in the wilderness. With Naomi, it was Bethlehem. With Ruth, it was in the fields of Boaz. And with David, it was on the throne. With Daniel, the lion's den. With the three Hebrew children, it was in the fiery furnace with Paul it was in prison there for Jesus was the cross there for Jesus was the cross now think about that God's place for you and the only way that we can please God is for us to be there think about all of our Lord's wonderful works his mighty miracles his tremendous teaching and his personal purity and all of that would not have been enough to save one single soul. All of that could not keep you out of the devil's hell. There for him was the cross and his death on the cross. Success for him, as he told us, was to come and to do the Father's will. And nothing we ever do can be good enough to win God's approval if we're not there. There where He wants us to be. It might impress other people. It might please us. But it's not going to get God's approval if we're not there. 
you know, we can go in any other direction, do whatever we please. Uh, and uh, if it's not there, over the years, every time, every time that the Lord has directed me to a different church, the one thing that I did not want to know when I met with the pulpit committee was how much does it pay? I've never, I've never known. I didn't want to know because I didn't want that to be a factor. And by the way, I've taken a pay cut in every church I've moved to. It always started out less. And yet today I've got more than I've ever had in all of my life, you see. Now, to be there where God wants us to be is the key for us to please Him and for Him to be able to accomplish His will for our life because winning his approval is more important than anything else in all of the world right now when I talk about being there I'm not just talking about a geographical location with Elijah that's what it was it had to do with the geographical location I want you there by the brook Cherith Uh, but for you it could be something entirely different It might have to do with your church membership, where God wants you to be. Uh, I don't believe this nonsense about one church is as good as another and it doesn't make any difference. Just join the church of your choice. I believe you ought to be a member in the church where God leads you. Uh, And and by the way, you know, over the years and, and constantly we have... You know, we have guests that come in, and we're delighted about that. And a lot of times we have folks say, I've been corresponding with someone, by the way, that uh, that is moving to this area and looking for a church, and they've inquired, asked a lot of questions about different churches, and they said, you know, I, I can't seem to make contact with them and find out what they believe or anything about them, and what do you know about them? Well, I've tried to tell the person what I know, and, uh, you know, it would be great, you know, if they said, well, I, I've decided we're going to come to your church. And at least we're going to come there and pray and see if that's where God wants us to be. But I don't want them here if this is not where God wants them to be. You know, it, it, joining a church is, is uh, in, in one regards, one of the most important decisions of her life. Like, who are you going to marry? You don't just say, well, okay, I'm old enough now to get married. Just give me just any old girl to do. You know, I just got to find a girl. And no, no, there's, 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 there's that one special person that I believe that, that would be pleasing to God. And there's that church, that place. But... This goes beyond being in the right geographical location or even in the right church. It goes beyond holding a certain position in a church. I'm talking about being there in the sense of God's will, being where God wants you to be. So when you see that word here in our text, that's what I want you to think of. This is the place where God wants me to be. And we're not going to do a deep dive into the story of Elijah here, but in looking at this story, there are three things that leap out at us, three things that I want you to think about tonight. There is the place of God's purpose, number one. That's the place of God's purpose. Now, I suspect it might not have been the place that Elijah would have chosen, but that's where he was sent. I doubt that Paul would have chosen the prison, don't you? I feel certain that Paul never never did just say, you know, 
God's moved me around all over the country, and boy, I've seen the sights, and I've visited this city and that city and what have you, but man, I just wish he had put me in prison. That's not where he wanted to be. But by the way, that's, that was there for him for a time in his life. That's where God wanted him to be. And that's why he said to the Philippians, the things happened to me happened for the furtherance of the gospel. I don't think the pit was Joseph's chosen destination. That's not where he wanted to be, down in that pit. But that's where he ended up. And for the time being, that's exactly where God wanted him to be, and God allowed it to happen. Daniel in the lion's den. God allowed them to be put in such places that he could use them to accomplish great things. And if you want God to use you, you have to accept whatever he appoints or whatever he allows. Because we don't always know what's best for us, do we? The other day, I, in fact, I'm kind of in the middle of writing the article about about this very thing, about uh, where the psalmist said, it's good for me to draw near unto the Lord. Isn't, isn't that a great verse? It's good for me to draw near unto the Lord. And uh, I started the article by saying, you know, we don't always know what's good for us. And automatically I was reminded growing up as a boy, my mama saying, if you know what's good for you. Sadly, I, sadly, I didn't. But if you know what's good for you, well, folks, if we know what's good for us, we want to be in the place of God's purpose for our life. Now, let me give you a word of warning here. And I just said we don't always know what's best for us. So here's a word of warning. Don't be so quick to think that you're not where God wants you to be just because it's difficult. Just because there are problems. Right. I, 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 the person I love more than anybody on earth is my wife. I, I, nobody else even comes close to my love for her. And yet I've had more disagreements with her. I, I, I didn't say arguments. I've had a few of those too, I'll be honest. But I've had more disagreements with her than anybody on earth. And yet I love her more than anybody on earth. That, look, there are difficulties in marriage. Let's face it. I heard, had one deacon tell me some years ago, he and, he and his wife, he and his wife had never had, never had an argument or, of, of any kind whatsoever. Never said a cross word. Boy, that's a boring marriage, isn't it? I don't even believe he was telling me the truth. But that's what he said anyway. And the fact is, being where God wants you to be oftentimes puts you smack dab in the middle of problems. I told the story about a family several years ago that joined the, joined the church that I've been talking about there in Fairgrove. And uh, they, I'll never forget the day they joined, man and a woman, his three girls and his boy, came forward and they joined the church and told me they were coming by letter from Sesta's Church. And said, but I want to tell you something, Brother Stone, before we join, the first sign of trouble, we're out of here. We just come out of a church that had all a bunch of problems and what have you, and we don't want to get into that again. I don't remember what I said to that man, but uh, 
but I know what I felt like saying, and that is, look, you might as well just leave your bags packed and keep on trucking. Because there are going to be problems wherever you are, especially if you're trying to do the will of God. You think about, you think about God using His apostles and sending them right into the teeth of the storm, right, in, right into the fury of the beast. And over and over again, He sent them in places where they were subjected to great, great hardship, you see. So... Uh, don't don't get this idea in your head. Well, if I'm where God wants me to be, I won't have any problems. No, that that might be a good evidence that you are where God wants you to be. And we ought to we ought to do what He demands and follow wherever He leads, regardless of the difficulty or regardless of the danger. Because if God's purpose is not at the very heart, the very center of our plans. We're planning to fail because nothing else in the world is as important as God's purpose for our life. And that we see that God's purpose here for Elijah was, I want you to go down to the brook Cherith. That's my purpose for you. Secondly, in this story, we see not only God's purpose, but God's provisions. Look at verse number four again. He says, I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there I've commanded the ravens to feed thee there I suspect I'm right when I say that most of our worries have to do with provisions of one sort or another right we we worry about uh, you know are, are my needs going to be taken care of we fear that our needs won't be met But let me tell you, there's never been a time when God couldn't provide for His people. And He promised to provide for all of those who honor Him. And you you know the verses, Philippians 4, 19, Matthew 6, 33, and a host of others again and again and again. God's saying, you be in the place. You get there. You, you get where I want you to be. You do what I've chosen you to do. You do that, and God is saying, you won't need to worry about your, your provisions. Now, that being said, you need to remember this, and that is that sometimes God provides in unusual ways. You know, it doesn't always come to us the way that we that we thought that it would. You know, you think about Elijah's situation. We usually think about people feeding birds, not birds feeding people. You know, we've got a lot, you know, bird watchers and people that put food out for birds and what have you. And, you know, that's all right. But, boy, we don't hear much about birds feeding people. And yet, that's what we see, the birds feeding the preacher, uh, the only way I ever knew that worked is that preachers and chicken living on chickens, you know. Boy, we used to during the revival meetings, you just knew just about every day you were going to have fried chicken somewhere. You know, that, that was, I guess somebody figured that was the, the preacher's favorite food or something. And uh, when announced a revival, all the chickens would run and hide, I guess. I, man, it's... Uh, D-Day for the chickens. But to think about ravens of all birds. 
the ravens, are you serious? Are you kidding me to think about, about ravens bringing food? Twice today, by the way. Isn't, isn't that amazing? And uh, there's nothing here or anywhere else to suggest that they would have fed him anywhere else. God had programmed those birds, as it were, to bring the food to a certain location. And it was up to Elijah to be there. You be there, and the birds will bring you what you need. Let me tell you, if we don't, if we don't have the assurance that our, that our needs are going to be met, we're going to live in a state of panic to some degree all of the time. We really are. Right? And I, you know, uh, how are we going to make it this month? Just be there. You, you'll make it some way or another, some unusual way. Maybe a neighbor you've never got along with, and he heard you lost your job and you need food, and he'll bring it. Oh, I don't know how it's going to get there, but I'll tell you, God will get it there. There's the place of provision. It's a place of God's purpose for your life. And regardless of what else you do, you can ascend to the top rung of the social ladder. You can make a name for yourself and have your name up in lights and become popular and rich and all of that stuff. But you'll never, ever find real satisfaction till you get there where God wants you to be in your life. One more thing, and that is there is the place of God's power. God's power. This was a demonstration of the power of God. You know, the credit doesn't go to Elijah. The credit doesn't go to the birds. It's God who's orchestrating this whole thing here. And our purpose in life, the purpose of all of creation, the Bible tells us, is what? To glorify God. Amen. That's what it's all about. doesn't make any difference who you are. You have, that is your main purpose in life, to glorify God. And you glorify God by obeying God, by trusting God. And it's our job as Christians to make His goodness and His greatness known to others. And, and to do that, we need to show the world what God can do. If you know the story, you know that Elijah was about to face a great challenge. Boy, if, if you don't know the story, you need to read on and to see. I mean, we're talking about a nation at stake, and we're talking about, we're talking about a conflict of interest and great problems and danger and and he's facing this challenge. And if there's ever a time that he needed assurance that God is with him, it was right then. He needed a display of God's power. And so do we. So do we. And the only way we'll ever be able to see what God can do in our life is by trusting God, by faith in God. Somebody asked me many years ago, Preacher, do you believe in divine healing? Of course I do. I believe all healing is divine. All healing. All healing is. There couldn't be any healing without God being at work. And I know for a fact that faith has a great deal with what God is able to do in our lives. Without faith, what? 
Well, we can't please God. Without faith, we limit God. We limit what God can do in us. We limit what God can do for us. We limit what God can do through us. The Bible says of Israel that they limited the Holy One of Israel. Think about that. Putting shackles on Almighty God. Limiting what the God of the universe can do. And the Bible tells us we can do exactly that. Through our unbelief, through our doubt, the Bible speaks about Jesus. And going to Nazareth said he could do no mighty works there. The greatest preacher that has ever lived, the Son of God, without spot or flaw, goes into the city and delivers the word of God. And there he could do absolutely no wonderful works. Why? Because of their unbelief the bible tells us that god is ready to show himself strong on our behalf isn't that isn't that a wonderful thought god is like god is saying look i'm standing in the wings and i i want to demonstrate through your life what i'm able to do but i can't do it unless you're there in elijah's case that was a designated place. But whenever it applies to you and I, it can have reference to something other than a geographical location, as I said. For you, there might have to do with a sin that you need to, to leave. A sin that you can't get there until you repent of some particular sin. It, it might be some habit that you need to break, a sloth or wh whatever it is. It might be an attitude that you need to forsake, and you, you can't get there until you have an attitude adjustment. It might be a command that you need to obey or a challenge that you need to accept. A lot of times, you know, uh, God offers us great opportunities disguised as, as terrible difficulties. If you're a Sunday school teacher and you've got a Sunday school class, you know there are difficulties associated with that, trying to communicate with those kids. Isn't that a great opportunity, though? For you to be there where God wants you to be, you have to be willing to accept that challenge, go through the door that he opens. It might be a calling to fulfill. That God, it might be some young man that God's called into the ministry. Whatever else you do in your life, understand that your life is going to be a miserable failure till you surrender yourself to preach God's word. It might be a work that you started that you need to complete. And you're not there until you complete that work. But whatever it is, God is able to enable you. God is able to enable you. He's able and he's willing because God's never helpless and therefore we're never hopeless. We've always got hope because of, because of God being who he is. And, you know, knowing God's power is unlimited. Know, knowing God's promises never fail, wisdom would have us then to yield ourselves to Him. It would have us to get there and stay there, wherever there is. Get there. Yeah. Get there tonight and stay there. 
Because when we get there, that's the place of perfect peace. That's the place of, uh, of the fullness of joy. That's the place that we have blessed assurance and the rich blessings of God and eventually the great reward of knowing that we spent our life being there. You can't afford to be anywhere else. Amen. You can't afford to be anywhere else other than there. Now, one final word. If you're here tonight, and I look out on the congregation, and I, I look around, and I think, well, I, I just know of a certainty in my heart that the vast majority of people here tonight uh, are all saved. I hope everybody is saved. Uh, but there just might be someone, some man, some woman, a boy or a girl, might be someone here tonight that's never been saved. There for you is Jesus. There for you is Jesus he, he is the only one that can supply your deepest need. He's the only one that will, is able to give you everlasting life. There and only there will you find forgiveness of your sins. Isn't that a wonderful thought? The forgiveness of all of your sins. Sins past, present, and future. All of those sins under the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Only there will you find deliverance from the wrath of God. Only there will you find life eternal, peace that passeth all understanding and joy unspeakable and full of glory, and a hope that is both sure and steadfast. There, Jesus, is where you'll find your greatest needs. There, Jesus, is where you'll find a home in heaven. Get there tonight. Get there before it's too late. Let's all stand together. Brother Nolan's going to come and Lisa, and we're going to extend a verse of invitation tonight. And if you're here, and, and it might be that you know, before, before I even preach this message, you already knew that you're out of place. You already knew that you're not there. You're not where God wants you to be. Will you get there tonight? Will you get there? You say, well, preacher, I, I'm, I'm not sure where there is. I, I know I'm not where I ought to be, but I'm not sure I know where there is. Would you pray about it tonight? God's not the author of confusion. Amen. And if you'll go to him in prayer, I'm confident God will, will show you where he wants you to be. Father, use your word tonight to speak to our hearts Thank you, Lord, in your divine plan that you've made a place for us, a place that we can occupy, a place where we not only can fulfill our highest calling, but a place, a place where we can find our deepest satisfaction. And how we thank you, Lord, for using us and blessing us and giving us the opportunity to be a blessing to others, just as Elijah was to his nation. And Lord, I pray tonight that you help us to get there and stay there and be there for your sake. In Jesus' name, amen. While we stand as